So do you ever wonder what's going on in someone's head? It's amazing what's going on up there that affects all of our relationships and just the emotions and the thoughts that go around and around. They start from an early age. And I remember just preparing for this message just some of the things that emotionally that I was going through and thinking about. And my mind wandered back to fifth grade. And fifth grade was not a good year relationally for me. One morning I went into school and our school had a huge window, so it was very light. But the classrooms, there were like four classrooms in one space. So it was like a, a huge space like this with four classrooms. And it was before school, I don't know where the teachers were, but this one guy came up and called me Cookie Monster. Cookie Monster. And I took it personally because I was overweight. So what are you doing today, Cookie Monster? And everything I would say, he would say, Cookie Monster. Cookie Monster. Cookie Monster. And I couldn't take it anymore. So I punched him and pushed him up against the window. Mrs. Haddix, my fifth grade teacher, if you're listening today, I only did it once, and I'm very sorry I did that to my friend. Later in the year, we had a contest where we had to name four presidents who had died in office, and I knew it. I I got the answer, so I proudly went down to the principal's office and got my Milky Way candy bar. So I brought it back, holding my Milky Way, and I like Milky Way, and I thought, what am I going to do with my Milky Way? Oh, I know. I'll give it to my Juliet. That wasn't her real name, but I'm calling her Juliet. So we went out on the playground, and there she is, my Juliet, twirling her baton, talking to her friends. So I go up to her, and I said, would you like this? And she took it and looked at it. She looked at me and she dropped it on the ground, took the baton and just hit it like a golf ball. Oh, go ahead. She not only crushed my Milky Way, but she crushed my heart. Thank you for for empathizing with me on that. that. That was needed. But even at an early age, some of the things that was going on, of things that I said or things I did how I behaved, started from just all these things going up in my head. And for all of us in our relationships, what comes out of our mouths and how we behave really will affect relationships, either for the better or for the worse. You know, the good news is is that we can have healthy relationships, but we have to choose to build in those relationships with materials that are empowered by the Holy Spirit. And some of those materials are honor, trust, and responsibility. We're in a message series entitled, Keep Your Love On. And it's really helping us to see how we can relate uh, in a healthy way in our connections, in communication, and also in setting boundaries. And much of what we're covering is from the book, Keep Your Love On by Danny Silk. You can order that from Amazon. Or if you want to stop by your local bookstore and see if they can order it for you, feel free to do that. But we're looking at three building materials, and Danny actually lists seven in his chapter, Building Healthy Relationships. But the three I want to focus on today are honor, truth, and responsibility because they are interrelated. And as we build on these materials, 
it really can make a difference with the people we care about and love. So before we jump into the material, let's pray together. Lord, we want to know how to do life as you intended it. So Holy Spirit, come and just be our teacher today. Just help us to hear and understand all those things that you've given us as tools to be able to honor someone else, to be able to walk in truth and to be responsible. Just be our teacher now. Amen. In chapter 4 of his book, Danny Silk defines honor in several ways. First, he says that honor is a practice, a practice of empowering one another, working together to meet one another's needs, and adjusting as necessary in order to move together toward shared goals in a relationship. Honor is also the practice of calling out the best in one another. And this can be expressed in words of affirmation. Wow, you're amazing. I love when you do that. Or honor can also be expressed in words of correction. Hey, remember, you're way too awesome to be acting like that. Remember who you are and stop it. Danny also wraps up his description with honor by saying this. Honor is a strong component in our relationships. When we can look at another person and say, you are really different from me. And it makes me sad when I see you making that choice, but I love you, I value you, I believe in you, and I'm here for you in the relationship. How many of you watched the TV show Blue Bloods? Any Blue Blood fans out there? Wow, there were only four and a half people in the first service that liked that show, and I see about three and three quarters I hear. Okay, four, thanks. Okay, for those of you that have watched the show and have seen it, how many of you like it? Okay. Those of you that don't like it? How many of you that like it or don't like it live together? Some relational problems for you when you go home. I like the show. I'll admit it to you. I like it, and there are two characters on the show that really are a good example of what honor looks like in a relationship. The two are Danny and Aaron Reagan. Aaron is an assistant prosecutor. Danny is a police detective. And they really do like each other as people. As brother and sister, but as people, they'll stop by and have coffee together in each other's offices and say, what do you think? What do you think? They'll get together for Sunday dinners There's a value in their relationship for connectedness. The goal of their relationship is to stay connected even when they disagree. And they both are very passionate about fighting crime. But Aaron has a specific way of how she approaches things. And Danny has his way of approaching things. And at times, they become very, very heated in their approaches. So much so, you're left wondering, hey, are they going to be able to make it through this relationship? But in spite of their differences, even the intense arguments, the goal is to remain connected to each other. The goal of connection. It's one of the most important things in our relationships. You know, Jesus had a lot to say about relationships. He even covers the practices of honor and truth and responsibility. In Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7... And if you grew up in church, you know this as the Sermon on the Mount. 
It was really a talk that Jesus gave on how to do relationships in a healthy way. And if you do the relationships in a healthy way, you're not only going to be able to connect with God, but with each other, and there's going to be a growing sense of peace in your own life. And so Jesus goes out in the countryside, and it's a picture of a large crowd. And, and I'm up on the stage here so I can project out to you. Well, Jesus' style of projecting in that day was to go up and sit down on a mountainside where all the people were sitting down off the mountain. And Jesus had this incredible ability to teach in a way that amazed people. His, his teaching was so life-giving. But some of his approaches at times really shocked people. He would make statements that were shocking. He had a great sense of humor, and he would use humor to be able to communicate. And in Matthew chapter 7, we see both of those coming out as he's teaching on relationships. One of the things he says in Matthew chapter 7 is that if we want to have healthy relationships, we have to give up that entrenched habit of condemning others. Let's see what he says in Matthew chapter 7. Do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. The word judge in Greek and in English has various meanings. And in, chapter, in verse 1 of this chapter, Jesus is saying not to judge. He's saying not to condemn, not to be critical of. And he's saying if you really want to connect with people in an ongoing relationship, you have to uproot that habit of condemning. You know, isn't it so easy in our society to condemn someone else? I mean, when you think about it, why is that so tough to give up in our lives? Like, we'll see something in the media, and, and there's some stories like, oh, wow, yeah, that's ridiculous. Or, or we'll hear about someone's failures, and it's like, yeah, yeah, you, you can saw that coming. There's something within us that when we're able to point out how someone is not measuring up, at least to our standards, is how we look at someone else, and we have this perspective of how they should live life, and they fail in that, there's something inside of us that feels good, makes us feel better. It's really not healthy. And there's something within us that as we're pointing out someone else's failures or how they're being less than, that it somehow numbs that fear in our hearts that, yeah, we're not measuring up. And so we use it to just numb that ache in our own hearts. You know, Jesus, in talking about this, this topic of condemning others, it's a serious topic. But he uses some humor to kind of lighten the mood, but also to make the point. Okay, can you just picture with me for a moment a huge plank, a huge board, and you stick it in your eye. Okay? So Jesus is telling this story about this guy walking around with a big board. Hey, how you doing? Whack. Oh, yeah, I'm doing fine. Oh, let me help you pick that speck out of your eye. Oh, you hit me with that board again, man. 
Yes, I have not had too much coffee. I think some of you think I have. I have not. But picture this board that's walking around. You're whacking people every time you're trying to have a conversation. Well, Jesus is having fun here to make some point is that there is a board of condemnation, a plank of condemnation, that unless we're able to get rid of that in our own lives, this, this tendency of us to condemn, unless we pull that out, we're not going to be able to see people from a perspective of love. Condemnation is a killer of love. Condemning a person is toxic in a relationship. And to stop poisoning the relationship, one of the things we can do is actually practice honor toward another person. Putty Putman, who Lee mentioned is coming in December, who's the founder of the School of Kingdom Ministry, writes, honor at its root is reflecting the value we have for ourselves to other people. Honor at its root is reflecting the value we have for ourselves to other people. If we truly value ourselves and understand that we are not in competition with anyone else, we will naturally value others as well. Valuing others. Reflecting that value we have for ourselves out to value others and they value us and it just goes in a healthy continuum. So how do we practice honor with someone else? Well, here's a quick list. By really listening to a person. By really listening to a person. And making eye contact. And putting aside the distractions that are keeping us from really listening. And not only listening to the words that the person is saying, but listening to the heart from which those words are just coming forth. What is this person's heart saying to me? So I'm going to honor them by really listening. By giving people our time. By giving people our time. I mean, there's, it, I encourage you to schedule time. I like to schedule time. But I'm learning to live my life that there are times of divine interruptions. That there are times in our lives where we have to lay aside the well-made plans we have and to encounter the person that's in front of us. To be able to focus on that person as a God-given person who has lots of gifts, lots of abilities, and a person of value. Next, by believing the best about a person. You know, even when we disagree with someone, even when we totally approach things from a different way, automatically we jump to conclusions, don't we? Well, that person's being mean or being contrary because they don't. Well, the reality is, that moment in time, we're condemning that person's heart and really not understanding that most people come with the intention of good-heartedness. I said most, but not all, and I'll talk about that in a little bit. But deciding that when we go into a situation where we're differing with someone else, realizing that they're coming often with a good heart helps in honoring that other person. Next, we honor by celebrating the other person's abilities knowledge, experience, gifts, and accomplishments. Hey, you are really gifted as an artist. I love the way that you use the colors there. I draw stick figures, but you, you have this mindset from the creator himself. That is great. Hey, you're a tremendous athlete. Hey, I love the way that you're able to communicate with people and show love. 
Those are ways that we can celebrate someone else and actually be happy for someone when they do something successful, when they have a success. Closely related to honor is truth. And in verse 6 of Matthew 7, Jesus talks about truth by using one of those shocking statements. He says, Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. And if you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Pretty strong image. You know, we think of dogs and pigs as little pets. Yeah, they do, there are pet pigs out there. You know, the Vietnamese kind, little pigs. Cute little puppies. Love puppies. Dogs. And so often in our minds, that's what comes to mind. But in first century, dogs and pigs were ferocious. They would roam the fields and they would roam the streets devouring anything that had life in it. People, when they would see pigs coming into town, would actually run and hide and put their children away because often children were killed by pigs gone wild. And so there's this whole image of of dogs and pigs that are very ferocious. So that raises some questions. Is Jesus calling people dogs and pigs? No, I don't believe he is. But what he is saying is that we need to be aware of people that aren't going to be loving toward us. That there are people out there that as we put our hearts out there, as we become vulnerable, they're not always going to respond with love or kindness. You know, we need to take people at face value. And if we are seeing an ongoing pattern of something in this person's life, And again, we all do these activities. As I go through the list, you're going to say, oh, that's me. Well, yeah. Because in our humanity, it does show up. But what I'm specifically talking about are those ongoing patterns that we see over and over and over. And so when we're running up against those attitudes and behaviors that discourage us and the people that we go near and they make us afraid or they hurt us, And where we feel like we can't truly share ourselves, then we need to be aware. And then we do two things. We choose carefully what we share with them. And then we be truthful with them as they start eating away at us. We choose carefully what we share with them. And then we be truthful with them when they start eating away at us. Now verse 6 in Matthew 7. A lot of people are saying that Jesus was referring to when his followers go out and start sharing the good news with people that there are going to be people that will mock and ridicule or even worse. And I believe within that context, it really does give room for that. But also keep in mind that Jesus is talking in terms of relationships, everyday relationships. And he is referring to there are times when we want to be vulnerable. And isn't that what we really want in our relationships to have a place where we can be safe enough to be ourselves? But Danny Silk in saying this is that we desire that in our relationships to be able to, what he says, just crack open our chest and show everyone what's inside of us. And we were doing that, we want it to be safe. Safe in the sense of anything that we're sharing with another person is that they're going to treat that as something special. 
that they're going to hear that and respect that and accept that. However, there are relationships that we need to be aware of that when we crack open our chest and show what's inside, it's not always the best choice. So how do we know? How do we know when not to share? Well, again, keep in mind ongoing patterns. When people show us an ongoing pattern of not listening, it's really not safe to open up our hearts. When they minimize our pain or our happiness. When they try to get us to change our decisions by pressuring us to say yes when we've already said no. Hey, can we do this? No. Oh, I think we really should try to do this. You're being unreasonable. No. I've said no. Oh, you really should reconsider. That pressure... When the person loves a substance, activity, or fantasy more than they love us or the life that's right in front of them. When people aren't open to feedback. How many of us have have experienced or even think or have had someone come up and, and try to give us some feedback, some things they're seeing in our lives? And we either think or we hear the person say, well, don't judge me. Well, that's an appropriate response. Don't judge me if indeed you're looking at me from a point of criticism and contempt or condemning me to somehow make yourself feel better. But there's also a piece of giving feedback that is honoring, of being able to say, hey, you are a valuable person. You're gifted, I love you, but this is hurting your life, and it's hurting our relationships. Help me out with that. When people apologize, but then don't change their behavior. Saying, I'm sorry, but nothing changes. And like I said earlier, we don't approach these relationships perfectly. We all do some of these things. But what if a person is doing this over and over and over. What do we do? Well, we tell them the truth and live a lifestyle of truth. For example, I'm feeling angry right now because I've made a decision and it feels like you're pressuring me to try to change my mind. Please respect the decision that's been made. It makes me sad to see you using or drinking too much. I love you and I want the best for you. But you can't come into the house tonight. But if you choose to come into the house tonight, I just want you to know I'm not going to be here because I'm going to go somewhere where I feel more safe, where I'm not going to be angry. It's okay to be angry. Let me qualify that. But if we somehow try to use that, that anger or feel or guilt against someone else, It doesn't help the situation. But what does help is the truth tell of what's going on inside of me. Or this one, it hurts me when you say those things. I want to get close to you, but I'm finding it difficult to talk with you. Do you want me to share more? Along with honor and truth, Jesus taught on responsibility. Listen to verses 24 through 28 from Matthew 7. 
Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash." When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. Jesus is pointing out the difference between a reactionary builder and a responsible builder. Reactionary builders just go with what's in front. You know, Jesus uses the illustration of building a house on sand. But in relationships, a reactional builder just goes with what's in the moment, what automatically comes out. If there's an emotion that's happening, if I'm angry, I'm just going to let it out there. If I'm afraid, I may try to reject. And it's not about you, but it's about me. But then it's about you. And, and we just make these actions that have consequences. There's nothing wrong with the emotions, but how are we reacting? A responsible builder is one that has a plan. Knowing that from past experiences of storms in relationships that have not gone that well, from that past experience and, and choosing to do it life differently, to do relationships differently, has a plan. It's like, okay, I'm not going to re- react here. I'm going to choose what I'm going to say. I've got all this stuff going on inside of me, but I'm going to slow it down enough where I can own what's going on with me. I'm not going to let that person put me over the edge. A friend of mine recently said, you know, the definitions in Webster's Dictionary for reaction and response are the same. So I went home and looked them up in Webster's, and I usually like Webster's, but Webster was just not helping us this time. Because if you look at the definition of react, it says it's a, a heightened response. And then you look at responsibility or responding, well, it's a reaction to a response. And I, don't, I don't like the definition, so I've created my own. Reaction... Is something that's physical and emotion, and it, and it comes from with heightened activity, and it's automatic. Let's say someone brings a high chair in with a cute little toddler and puts it up here while I'm talking, and the toddler's just sitting here at, at the high chair, and we say, hi, and I'm over here talking, and you're listening to me, and then we all glance over, and the toddler has climbed up on top of the high chair on top of the table where he's eating. What are we going to do? We're going to jump and react. In other words, it's a good thing in that moment we're reacting because physically we just go, emotionally we're heightened, and and we go and we help. There are times that that's appropriate. But how many times in our relationships do we come from that position? Instead of slowing things down to be able to respond, to deal with my own anxiety, to deal with my own hurt, but instead, we, we just react. We're in this heightened state as if the toddler is on the high chair table all the time. And physically and emotionally and spiritually, we can't live in that zone continuously. 
So that's where responsibility comes in. Responsibility has a plan of how to handle the relational storms that happen. It involves choices of what we want to say and do. I'll own it. This is what I'm feeling. This is what I'm responsible for. But again, in our society, we have a tough time with that, don't we? So many of us like to respond like Steve Urkel. Remember Steve Urkel? I brought a picture of Steve here. For those of you that don't know Steve, Steve was a character in a sitcom years ago. And Steve had this ability, a lovable guy, somewhat innocent guy, but when he'd walk into the room or something was going on, something would be broken or there's this big misunderstanding and Steve would come into the room and everybody's just fuming and Steve would come in, hi everybody, did I do that? Thank you, thank you. I just embarrassed my daughter, I'm sorry. You know, you look at Urkel and it's kind of like, wow, that's kind of funny, but I have a theory that Urkel lived in denial. I mean, he was just did not want to face responsibility. He did not want to say, I did that. And how many of us in our relationships do not want to take the responsibility of what we're thinking and what we're feeling? Is that somehow we want to blame someone else or some external circumstance that that's why I'm feeling the way I am? You know, it's easy for us to live in the denial. Denial that something's going on inside of us and our thinking and how we're going to behave. But a lot of us just, when we're hurt, when we're afraid, we just pull in and deny, hey, I'm okay. I'm feeling okay. Here's some examples. See if they sound familiar to us. He makes me so mad. So the question I have is, is he really responsible for how you experience your own emotions? She knows how to push my buttons. Is she really that much in charge of your feelings that you have no control of how you will respond? You know, you and I are responsible for how we respond when we say she pushes my buttons. But she is responsible in dealing with the emotions that energize her, that encourage her to want to push the buttons. See, there's two responsibilities there. For us students, that teacher, that professor, so unfair to me. I'd do so much better in class if he weren't so lame or she wasn't so lame or ridiculous or mean or strict. Okay, who's responsible for the attitude toward the teacher? Who's responsible for doing everything in class that's been asked or what's listed in the syllabus? I am if I'm the student. Who is responsible for the teacher's attitude toward you? The teacher. You know, Jesus knows that for us to live in healthy relationships and to have healthy relationships, 
He knows we can do it. He's empowered us to be able to do it. And all of these, these foundations, these practices, we're capable of doing it, but boy, it's tough on our own, isn't it? But the Holy Spirit empowers us as we step day in, day out in our relationships. He empowers us to be able to honor, to walk in truth, to be able to say, I'm responsible. But it's steps of courage, it's steps of bravery. It's steps of saying, God, I can't do this on my own, but I choose to. I choose to step into these and then I choose to walk in the power you give me. And that's what God wants to do for us today. Is to remind us that we have the choices. To remind us that we can be courageous. To remind us that we can have healthy relationships. I'm going to invite the worship band to make their way to the stage. And as they're doing that, for the rest of us, I just want to pray. Lord, we want to get our relationships right. We want to have healthy relationships. And thank you that you really have given us materials to work with. And we just say today, Holy Spirit, come and just empower us. Come and just empower us with courage. Come and renew our commitment to truth. Come and give us the courage to be responsible, to say, yeah, that's on me. But Holy Spirit, come and just release just a new boldness, but come and just heal. Holy Spirit, come and just release healing for those situations, those, those interactions that some of us have even had this morning that have left, left us feeling hurt and confused. We just open our hearts to you now. As we focus on you, just come and heal, come and restore. In Jesus' name.